1: This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Another Republican lawmaker is considering a run to replace Governor Gavin Newsom in the recall election. Assemblyman Kevin Kiley of Rockland says in a blog post that he's not ready to make a formal step into the race, but he has been meeting with the leader of the effort to oust Newsom from office, who's formed a group that will advise Kylie on whether he should run. Kylie has been one of the most outspoken critics of the Newsom administration's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, including questioning the governor's emergency powers and executive orders that he's issued. California's Department of Public Health has announced substantial updates to its COVID-19 testing guidance. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has more.
2: According to the new rules, people who are fully vaccinated can skip COVID testing in non-healthcare workplaces or at large or mass social gatherings, like concerts and sporting events. Even if you've been exposed to someone with COVID-19, as long as you're fully vaccinated and asymptomatic, CDPH says most people don't need to get tested, though there are a few exceptions. CDPH says it's adapting its model so it can target testing more for high-risk populations and people who aren't vaccinated yet. That way, the agency says, it will be able to better control transmission rates by being more strategic about early detection. As more and more people get vaccinated, the agency says this targeted approach allows for more focused tracking of the presence of COVID-19 in certain communities and provides data that can help chart new variants. For The California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. COVID-19 case rates are
1: trending downward here in California, which was overwhelmed with cases in the fall and winter. The latest numbers from the CDC show the state has one of the lowest in the country behind only Vermont and South Dakota with a case rate that's less than half the national average. Data collected by the LA Times found that during the peak of the surge last fall and winter, the state was recording an average of more than 40,000 new cases a day compared with 900 over the last week. As schools across California launch into summer school, the state is following through with its pledge to pump $4.6 billion to help them deliver on mental health services and tutoring for kids who need it. KQED's Julia McAvoy has more.
3: Many California K-12 schools see summer school as a way to reconnect with students who fell behind during distance learning. The state is rolling out a series of interactive tools so parents can track summer instruction, school reopenings, and COVID-19 resources in real time. In Oakland, at least, not all parents who want to have been able to enroll their kids in summer school, with spots being reserved for only those who need it most. The district is not expanding its program. As for fall, the state says nearly all schools reporting say they will be reopening full-time in person, a relief to many parents. Though some parents living in areas that have suffered the most COVID cases and deaths have been hesitant to send their kids back. And the state is launching a million-dollar campaign to reach them and convince them it's safe. For the California Report, I'm Julia McAvoy.
1: Well, earlier this year, the Sacramento Bee reported an investigation into violent text messages among police officers in Eureka on the North Coast. So far, a top supervisor has been placed on leave. Other cops have left, and there are more text messages. Sac Bee reporter Jason Pohl picks up the story from there.
5: These newly unearthed text messages really are in the same vein as what we reported previously, with the added caveat that uh, some of them are, they go even further. For example, there's an exchange where the sergeant and another officer are discussing homeless people, and uh, they often describe them as troglodytes or trogs, basically cave dwellers. And in one instance, I can read it here. It says uh, it's an officer, and he's texting his sergeant and says, you think if we ask nicely, we could get a helicopter crew to do a really low pass over Old Town and decapitate a bunch of trogs? Wow. It's really vile sorts of dehumanizing text messages like that that kind of come up throughout this series of records that we've obtained.
1: So from what you can tell, what's on the table in terms of potential penalties for this kind of language and just sort of, you know, the general approach being taken by some of these officers towards members of their community?
5: That's the big question, I think, right? I mean, whenever you're talking about disciplining officers, there's any number of things that in theory could happen. But as we often see, there's a lot of protections afforded to police officers in California and elsewhere, but especially in California. And so that discipline process is kind of an open question at this point. We know that Chief Steve Watson up in Eureka has a decent amount of discretion about how he wants to meet out any sort of uh, discipline should it get to that point, depending on what the findings of this investigation from this third party reviewer find. But It should be said that I think the bigger question that a lot of people are really raising concerns about is how do you repair uh, a reputation for a department inside a community that has long struggled with issues of homelessness when these are the types of things that officers are talking about openly with their supervisor on the streets.
1: One of the things that's also really striking is the way that the union has responded.
5: The day that we published this story, uh, a few hours after it went online, the police union up in Eureka released a statement calling the messages abhorrent and saying that they were essentially distancing themselves from any sort of conduct like that. That was not representative of the Eureka Police Department. Now, new documents that we've obtained through a series of records requests show that behind the scenes, the head of the union, Terry Lyles, had actually messaged the sergeant in question in this story, Sergeant Rodrigo Reyna Sanchez and his partner, who's also an employee at the police department, and apologized to them and said, you know, I know the timing on this sucks. Uh, I'm so sorry that you're having to go through this. And so it's sort of saying one thing publicly and another thing behind the scenes.
1: Jason Pohl is an investigative reporter at the SACB. Keep us posted on what comes out of this. Thanks, Jason. Thanks so much. Cities across the state are celebrating Pride Month, and in San Francisco, the original rainbow flag, which hasn't been seen for years, is back in the public eye at the GLBT Historical Society Museum. KQED's Ezra David Romero was at the unveiling.
0: Gilbert Baker and a crew of more than 30 people created the first rainbow flag in 1978. During the year that Harvey Milk was supervisor, and Harvey went to Gilbert and he said, we need a new symbol. Terry Beswick is the executive director of the museum.
4: There were probably some drugs involved when Gilbert was on a dance floor. He had an epiphany about a rainbow. After
0: flying in the 1978, San Francisco gave Freedom Day celebrations. The flag was misplaced after it got water damaged. It was recovered in 2019 and now sits under glass at the museum. San Francisco Mayor London Breed spoke at the unveiling.
3: It's not just about LGBTQ history. This is American history. And it's important to recognize it in a way that elevates the conversation.
0: Elevating LGBTQ voices is why the rainbow flag was created, said Gilbert Baker's friend, Charles Beale. Baker passed away in 2017.
5: I wish he was here. He would be looking a little more fabulous than me, probably wearing a dress and heels. (laughs) The rainbow flag isn't just colorful
0: lines on a sheet. The original flag had eight rows, each representing hope,
5: safety, and peace for LGBTQ people around the globe. Today in Tehran, people are running out in the streets with rainbow flags and running because they're afraid to be caught. But they're out there trying to change the planet.
0: The iconic flag is a reminder of
5: both the pain and joy queer people live through. Gilbert said, no, do never fly it at half-staff, never take it down. It means too much to too many people who don't have what we have.
0: Now the once forgotten original rainbow flag is on display at the museum in San Francisco's Castro District. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero.
1: For the first time, the pride flag will be flown at Fresno City Hall. But the decision to do so wasn't without controversy. Fresno Mayor Jerry Dyer initially rejected the move, saying it might create division in the community. He was also concerned about the exclusion of religious flags at City Hall. But after speaking with members of the LGBTQ community, Mayor Dyer decided to switch course, saying he was moved after hearing their stories of feeling marginalized. In other news, the U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to look at a case here in California. It involves a group of Muslim residents who claim the FBI targeted them for surveillance because of their religion. Three Muslim residents say that in 2006 and 2007, the FBI paid a confidential informant to gather information about Muslims in Orange County. This is the second case the Supreme Court has accepted this fall involving a government claim of state secrets. The idea that the government can block the release of information it claims would harm national security if disclosed. Here in California, gas prices are setting new records with a gallon of unleaded now costing $4.22. Joining us now to talk about it is Robin Farzad. He is the host of Public Radio's Full Disclosure. Welcome to the show.
4: Lily, how are you? I'm a big fan on on this side of the map.
1: It's so great to finally have you on the California Report. Thank you for making time for us.
4: California always in my heart.
1: (laughs) Well, let's talk about an issue that is near and dear to my heart and not in a good way, which is I have been driving a lot more this last couple of weeks, a, a heck of a lot more than I was at this time last year. Couldn't help but notice that I'm spending a lot more to fill up my gas tank what is going on? What's driving that?
4: Listen, I don't want to hear your Bay Area sob stories already to begin with a Big Mac <laughs> never costs less than $12 there. But outside <laughs> of the peculiarities of, of the Bay Area, you have oil surging to its highest level since 2018. Um, quietly at almost $70 a barrel and US gas prices averaging above $3 a gallon. And so that is when you start to notice sticker shock when it costs so much to fill up a car. You're like, huh? weren't we giving this stuff away back at the beginning of the pandemic so uh yes that market is is not quite broken like we were told
1: that's right well you you said $3 on average nationwide what are you paying out there in virginia cuz i'm paying $4.50 i
4: just filled up at $2.95 and i bet you it's going up this morning i bet you they're changing the the numbers on it right now
1: mm. $2.90 i don't want to hear you complain robin i do not want to hear you complain for 1 second okay Let's talk about what traders are doing here because they are betting that the price oil is actually going to go way higher in some cases.
4: Yeah, because if we think about the the snapback in demand and all of us have had this, this cabin fever and fear of missing out, you're hearing everything about packed airplanes, uh, packed roads. I, I can tell you myself in the corridor between D.C. and New York, it was. Bumper to bumper. Everyone wants to get out. You're seeing a higher vaccination rate. And on top of that, the oil majors, the oil companies have been cutting capacity. If you remember when you were telling your listeners in the spring of 2020, that was overnight. Demand fell off a cliff. You saw Mm -hmm. airports shut down, air travel. And I mean, tankers not shipping things. The global economy crashed.
1: And even then, I will say we were still paying like three bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Even at the because California,
4: because California, that's your Bay Area tax. No, there are other there are other taxes and environmental inputs and, you know, summer driving blends and everything. But when you peel out all of that stuff, uh, fundamentally, the commodity was being given away. If you remember, there were hundreds, maybe thousands of tankers that were idled globally with this oil as the price turned technically negative overnight Mm -hmm. as you couldn't give it away. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's panicking. Uh, if you remember, ExxonMobil was kicked out of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And we were told that this is the end. This is the death knell for petroleum and for hydrocarbons. And and in reality, uh, we are far from that.
1: All right. Well, Robin Farzad, thank you so much for breaking this down for us. We'd love to have you back. Anytime, Lily. And that is the California Report for this Tuesday. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks for listening.
0: Support for the California Report comes from California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care. On the web at chcf.org slash voices. Paint Care, now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food, on the web at theschmidt.org.
3: Hi there. I'm Randa Deveta from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained.